Education is a human intensive industry. 30 plus thousand kids, 5,000 employees, and hence it's all about people. This particular BI solution brings it down so that when kids need help in a classroom, central administration administrators see it, the principals see it, the teachers see it, the counselors see it, and what ends up happening is central administration is able to free up resources quicker because they see what a teacher needs for a kid. Welcome to Limitless BI. This is the show where we interview real-world, innovative business leaders who are seeing beyond the data to produce tangible results in their organizations using business intelligence. With your host, founder and CEO of Infosol, Paul Grill. So here we are for another episode of the uh, Limitless BI podcast. And today, um, I'm very honored to have uh, Sean Taylor with me, the owner of Puget Sound Strategic Partners, and somebody who has uh, been a CIO for many years and working in the field of business intelligence. And so I'd like to introduce you to uh, to Sean Taylor. Sean, tell us a little bit about uh, sure. Uh, I think from the beginning, uh, I've always been a data type of guy, but I really started working uh, on data when I first started my first career as a naval officer. I was in logistics. And with logistics, that gave me the opportunity for dealing with a lot of data for making things happen on schedule. And so through those particular assignments, I eventually became a CFO and also a chief operating officer for quite a few different organizations. About the middle of the 1980s, the Navy started to see that they needed to grow their technology leaders. And so they tapped me to say, hey, why don't you become a technologist and we'll send you to graduate school and learn about tech. And that really opened the door for me to really get a feel for what it took to be able to help provide information to people like me prior to being a CIO. And so I went into the technology field as a CIO when mainframe for the main source of information uh, tools. And when I retired from the Navy, that's when I tried to decide how to best leverage what I understood about information and how to help kids. And so I shifted into a second career of actually becoming a CIO in education and primarily in the K-12 space to, to help kids. That's excellent. And, and obviously, being a CIO for, for 30 years, I mean, you must have seen a tremendous number of changes um, over that period of time. I mean, how do you feel that that role has evolved and what do you see as the main challenges that the CIO of today faces? Well, in 30 years, as, as you say, things have changed. Uh, for the most part, from a CIO perspective, the tech world really was turned upside down when we made the shift from mainframe, migrated towards client server, where the customers now are trying to take control of the data and access the data to the Internet of Things of that nature. In the past... My main focus used to be disaster recovery and helping to provide informational tools uh, to the main decision makers. As things shifted, the shift shifted to the point of saying, how do I help the decision makers leverage the tools now at their fingertips 
so that they don't waste time and energy as to what to look at and what to try and let the technologists help partner with them to leverage those tools to help make quicker decisions. Right. And obviously, as part of that transition over time, you've seen, you know, literally the, the, the growth of business intelligence from nothing, you know, to decision support systems and then to what it is today. And so w- what does business intelligence mean to, to you? me? Business intelligence has been around a long time. The question is how technology is, help put it on steroids. Because business intelligence is trying to figure out how a decision maker can quickly with the precious time that they have figure out do they need to make a decision or not and then if so what decision and how to be able to communicate that for an effective strategic move business intelligence in the past has been limited based on historical reports and now because of the tools we have available we can see more real-time analytics so that a decision maker knows within seconds if they need to take action or not. And that, to me, is the key, is how much time does it take to decide, hey, everything's okay, or I have to do something different. And to me, that's what business intelligence is. Right. And you bring up some interesting points. I mean, I love what you said about, you know, uh, today the technology has put business intelligence on steroids and that now we can make real-time right, business decisions. But, you know, are we making the right decisions? Because, of course, you know, business intelligence also depends on a lot of historical data, analyzing that data over time, and then, you know, looking at that. So you don't really want to perhaps be making a decision based on the data that's happened in the last hour or last two hours, except in some cases. So, I mean, what, what are you seeing there? So, and that's where things such as when you look at the new technologies, machine learning, it takes a look at historical trends and it tries to get a sense or a strength signal based on what's just recently happened versus previous and finding that balance as to what I'm seeing is how relevant is it. The question really gets back to is depending on the type of industry and the type of decision, the analytics should be able to be easily looked at. And if there's a further question saying, is this an abnormal spike, to be able to see it quickly, that is out of the upper or lower control limits from a statistical perspective, as to how that fits in the daily decision-making process. Right. And so how, how did you get involved, first involved in, in the world of, uh, of business intelligence? Was it before Tacoma uh, Public Schools or was it while you were still Probably in the Navy? Probably primarily while I was still in the Navy because we're trying to figure out, at least in that area of logistics, how to make sure you have the right resources available at the right time at the least cost perspective. Uh, because resource limitation is the key, uh, at least in the military sense of how to get the most out of the little you have. And hence, you work with uh, key performance indicators. You look at, you know, what are the efficient, like inventory perspectives, what's the efficient reorder quantities, and how do you maintain a minimum non-stock level, and all those different type of things, and how do you determine success based on all those different aspects? So that's probably where it started. Okay. All right. And so you made the shift then from the United States Navy into a public school system. I mean, that was obviously a huge transition. 
Um, tell us about what happened when you got to Tacoma Public Schools and took on the role there as CIO. What were you faced there with? There multiple challenges. Uh, now, one of the interesting things about the K-12 industry is a lot of the folks that are in tech actually grew up in tech through the K-12 industry. And hence, they know what they know, and they don't know what they don't know because they haven't experienced it. So when I came to Tacoma, knowing that my main focus was going to try to figure out how to get the right data into the right hands to help kids, I first had to see how does the data exist. And at that point in time, initially, everything was in proprietary mainframe systems. And more importantly, most of the technologists that I had working for me were very proficient in mainframe systems, but they had no experience in how to data mine and how to get data warehouses in place. So you can actually start to leverage in a nimble fashion uh, the type of things we needed to get to. So that was the initial, I'll call it, challenge, stepping into Tacoma, and then also trying to understand the culture in the belief systems that my new customers, being the Tacoma Public Schools, as to how they interpreted those type of things. And talking about the culture and the climate and the trust factors really becomes challenging when you're an outsider coming into education and saying, I think I might be able to help you when they look at you and they've been there 30 years and they go, well, Okay, we'll listen, but you know we've been at this for thirty years, so so it made it interesting, right? And and you mentioned an absolutely key point to to what business intelligence is all about: the data. You know, if you don't have good data, you can't have good business intelligence. So, how did you address that challenge of the data there? Well, the data challenge was is really twofold. One is no one really took time to look at the data because they inherently knew what was going on with kids. Because for teachers, the kids were in front of them, and so in most cases, the data was housed independently in two thousand different classrooms. And so a big piece of the data was a challenge of how to get it from there where it could be consumed from a system perspective. The other aspect is the interpretation of data from school to school and how they interpret it. And now you have cleaning agents within the system to help normalize that data. Those type of things, because you never looked at it from a system perspective, had to be put in place to actually get trustworthy data. Because without them trusting the data, they're not going to use it. It was a key factor. And so you put those systems in place and you created a data warehouse. You created transformations and and, and got that data into a, a trusted state. Now, let's shift the, the discussion a little bit and talk about, well, what were the challenges that the public school system itself was facing? in terms of, like you said, they were looking at things on a day-to-day basis, but they didn't have a lot of insight into, you know, what was happening historically, but they obviously were facing some big issues. In 2010, I had a phenomenal opportunity. In the national press, there was a story put out about high schools across the country being dropout factories. And that brought a lot of attention 
to all the public school systems, and particularly the urban school systems. And Tacoma is an urban school system. And their graduation rate at that point, when that came out, was 55%, which means 45% not make it on time. That created the political will for the system being the leadership say, we have to do something different. And hence, they were open to the aspect of saying, let's figure out how to collect the right information to help answer the right questions, which triggered very quickly, what are the questions? What is the definition of success? And that became a pretty challenging topic amongst the school board, the leadership of the district, and also the community, because everyone had their own perceptions as to what success is. Some wanted kids to be college ready. Some want them to be career ready. Again, different definitions of each. And then some just want them to be life ready upon graduation. And hence, if you can't define what you're going to measure, then you can't develop a system to measure because if the fact gets back to us. If you don't measure it, you don't get it. And hence, that was a huge cultural shift that had to take place of agreeing upon what is success so that we could start to track the right data and in some cases build a system to capture that data so that we can actually determine how well or how weak we might be in pursuing something. Right. I love that because you're right. Business intelligence is all about measuring the right things. So you have that one key metric there, which is the graduation rate between 45, 55%. But what other metrics became significant and important to measure outside of the graduation rate itself? That's a perfect question. Because in reality, the graduation rate is a key result indicator based on a lot of good things happening. And if all these other good things happen, the kid is ready to graduate. And hence, there's quite a few different metrics that were developed to track, actually, where do the kids need help, such as it might be in a particular course offering that's deficient, or it could be in credit deficiencies, or it could be in, it could be on a myriad of things. In education, there's tons of different attributes that the states mandate to be met. And there are different attributes within those attributes that give exceptions as to how to meet those attributes to be able to decide if a kid is ready to graduate. And hence, knowing all those other influencing factors that contribute to graduation had to be tracked too. And so we had to develop those type of benchmarks and dashboards. Uh, By the way, in education, Business intelligence is not a term they like to use because they think they're different than business, and hence they like and hence <laughs> they like to use other terms such as benchmarks or metrics or something else. Then um, again, it's just a nuance of the industry. But the fact is, once they started to understand what was the core pieces for success, we could start to track it, and then that just opened up a wealth of other opportunities that they go, hey, now that we know where we are here, let's change this program to be able to make this piece of the program more effective for the kids to help. 
So how long did it take, you know, to extract, right, those key metrics from, you know, the school board, the faculty, you know, the parents? It must have been like herding cats to, to just to get, get them to agree. It took time. And hence, wallet, it probably took us, it gets reiterated every three years to, to revisit it with those different groups, different stakeholder groups. But while they're wrestling with the first initial group, we already started building some metrics, knowing what the state mandated uh, just for graduation. So we started to build, capture those metrics. And while they were wrestling with those other requested metrics, one of the questions that had to be asked that they had a tough time answering, but they ultimately did is, what you're asking us to track, can public education actually change what you're asking us to track? And if not, if the system can't change that, why track it and be distracted with that? A simple example that would be is someone says we need to track uh, poverty and help reduce the poverty of the number of kids in poverty in the school. Well, can the school system actually change that? If not, why are we tracking it as a key indicator? But we might use poverty as a filter to see how those groups are doing. But as a key indicator, as a, as a success criteria, it doesn't make sense. And so a lot of time was spent on debating those other things they wished or wanted to track that really did not make a difference in the end result. Okay, that's absolutely fascinating. And so you've got these, you've got your data warehouse, you've got your cleanse data, you've got your business intelligence tools, and you're starting to create visualizations and dashboards now to show this back as to what is actually happening. So tell us what happened as a result. So we first started developing this system in 2010. And we started to show the first benchmarks in 2011. And so in 2011, we first saw, I'll, I'll call it a small uptick in graduation rates uh, because we were able to find some kids to help quickly that we didn't really recognize we could help them quickly. Uh, but by between 2010, when we started, to 2015, in 2015, our graduation rate has jumped uh, about 12%. Now in Tacoma, 1% is 17 and a half kids. And hence, when you look at a jump of, say, a 10% increase, that's 170 more kids graduating that year that would not have graduated. And so between 2010 and the first benchmarks coming out in 2011, by 2015, we were up into the 70 plus percent graduation rate. And through that, it just started to accelerate, to fine-tune, and each three years, two or three years, we added more benchmarks to see what else maybe we can do to influence better results for kids. That by the time we're done just last year, our graduation rate's are 87% from 55%. And wow. hence, that is over 500 kids a year graduating on time that would not have graduated on time before. But that's sort of the hidden story of it because you talked about other influencing factors earlier in a question. And the real story is that as the policymakers and stakeholders started to see, hey, there are some other opportunities to consider as they're seeing how to use data, 
they start to ask the question about when a kid is career ready. What does that mean? And one of the questions is, do we track how many kids actually have an industrial certification that's recognized by industry when they walk out the door that can actually get them hired? In 2013, that was 4% of the kids that had that, which isn't bad. But because we started tracking and putting attention on it and using the metrics to track it, last year, one in four kids, 25% of the kids, actually had an industrial certification in some industry, being technology or being something else, that the local employers actually accept as being career ready. And so 25% of the kids from 4% just on that one metric. Wow. And so, you know, obviously the business intelligence of the dashboard is collecting, analyzing, tracking the information, but what were the key factors that actually drove the change itself in terms of what it was showing and the actions, the actionable data that people took away and were able to make that remarkable um, graduation change, you know, from, from 55% all the way up to 80 plus percent? That is a perfect question because that really gets the essence of uh, this particular business intelligence solution. Education is a human intensive industry. Very money to look at it, 30 plus thousand kids, 5,000 employees, and hence it's all about people. This particular BI solution brings it down so that when kids need help in a classroom, central administration administrators see it, the principals see it, the teachers see it, the counselors see it, and what ends up happening is Central administration is able to free up resources quicker because they see what a teacher needs for a kid before the teacher having to convince the principal or the principal has to convince central administration to convince the CFO to free up resources to help Johnny. It happens instantly as a team effort because they all are talking, looking at the same data on their laptops or whatever uh, when they're talking over the phone. Wow. It's about the communications. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, outside of the people who are working in the school system itself, was the dashboard in any shape or form of the business intelligence also visible and available to the community at large, to businesses in the community and so forth? And did they play any role in this transformation at all? The whole thing is, it's really a community effort because it's all about the kids in the community. So our dashboards that we built also are posted on the district website so that they could see how their school's doing. There's, for each of the dashboards, it could be sliced 256 different ways for however anyone wants to see it. And so parents can see it, community members, businesses can see it, enhance we have to put in protections to protect the identity of the students from a data protection perspective. But the fact is they can see exactly what's happening by school, by grade, by ethnic group, by any other measurement that you could think of right at home as a parent or as a community member. Well, and so, you know, what was the reaction of the school board, the community, the faculty as a result of what happened, you know, between 
2011 and 2015. First, there was some, I need to say this piece here, there was some hesitance initially about how to put the information out because they're fearful of how it could be interpreted as to if you're showing low numbers, how the potential repercussion could take place as a result of that. One of the elements within the school board that I have to put my take my hat off to is they are willing to take the risk to put the information out for everyone to see, to say, we know we have some challenges in these different categories of helping kids graduate on time. But we're willing to try to figure out how to help overcome those challenges collectively through whatever efforts that other groups can help bring to the table and partner with to be able to make it happen. And then I'll call it courageous leadership by the leadership of the school board to be willing to do that actually made things actually accelerate because all of a sudden seeing bad numbers was not considered a disciplinary thing. It was we're showing the raw data to help the kids. And how do we improve it? And how do we think through as a system, how do we rely on resources as a system to make that happen? And it was a pretty cool thing to watch. Yeah, I love that, courageous leadership. And, and also, I see it as a limitless business intelligence solution. So, I mean, people are reluctant, are hesitant sometimes to take those kinds of chances and those kinds of risks. And, you know, was it your idea to use business intelligence to to bring this about? Or was it, you think, a, a, a group effort here? Initially, I would say it's probably my idea. But what sort of worked out nice was a deputy superintendent from another school district saw what I was doing. And he goes, you know, I see what you're doing. I think we can work together. So he came to Tacoma also as a result of that. And then through the CIO being partnered with the number two educator in the district, being linked at the hips to accomplish this direction, it it worked out great. Because you got to have leadership buy-in and you have to have leadership credibility to be able to pull something off like this. And so that's a key piece of it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I've always been a firm believer that, you know, the the only way to any successful solution today in the IT world is a collaboration between IT and the business. And when you bring those worlds together, anything can happen. Um, so that that's absolutely awesome. And and so you've now left the Tacoma Public School District. I mean, where are they heading with this now in terms of next steps? For so them? they are continuing to uh, grow and enhance the tool as they evolve and trying to capture the other 11 to 12% of kids and also to help increase, I'll call it, the whole child opportunities while they're in the K-12 system. And so they're moving into that. We, prior to me leaving, we did some experimentation with machine learning and AI. And what we found is that through the tests in, I'll call it the uh, proof of concept type efforts, machine learning does bring a lot to the table to be able to help identify, I'll say, 
the industry doesn't like this term, predictive analytics, of what might happen with the child, because there's a lot of connotations around that. But to be able to help signal what maybe happened last week, maybe we'll put the child on a trajectory of failure in the future and help to see that quicker. The only problem that we had with that, and Tacoma, I think, is on a standstill presently with this, is that with AI and machine learning, the data scientist skills that an organization needs, and also where the number of algorithms that can handle non-SQL type data, that a lot of the data in education is, to effectively utilize that is just not cost-effective at this point. But I do know that they're pushing out additional business object type tools that help incorporate the after school and other community efforts so that you can start to collect and see their efforts and which ones pay benefits for the kids. And so you're bringing the system that the district has plus the data from the other NGOs to be able to see how to put that even on a more uh, robust type direction. Well, that's fascinating. And of course, that that is what a lot of people are trying to do today to incorporate both machine learning, artificial intelligence of different types into right uh, business intelligence to do these type of, uh, of predictions. But like you say, yes, um, large number of factors at stake, data scientists required, required to write some sometimes quite elaborate and sophisticated algorithms um, and probably not the kind of thing that a typical K through 12 school district has easy access to. Oh, I would agree. Yeah. Well, if I had the data scientists I wanted, I could have done some really cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, abs- absolutely. Yeah, well, that, that that's fascinating. And so now, you know, you, you've got your own consulting business there. I mean, what do you see as the next steps for, for you? I mean, obviously, you, you've learned a lot from uh, from what you did at Tacoma and, uh, uh, and business intelligence. I mean, where, where do you see yourself going uh, in terms of next direction? So I'm still passionate about trying to find ways to help educational leaders to understand what is possible with business intelligence. The industry thinks they know what they need, but they haven't experienced it, so they really don't know. And and so I'm trying to work with both educational entities, both K-12 as well as uh, higher ed uh, institutions to say, hey, here's the way you can go to approach this. But it's, it's... It's hard to be able to articulate those opportunities because it's mostly a people thing. The technology capabilities is there today. The question is how to help people think differently about the opportunities and to be open to letting the data help guide them down the path of the future. Education industry is a $1.3 trillion industry in this country. And they predict it to double by 2025. Providing just a software solution is not going to help education. They need to look at the package that helps address culture, change management, and the right business intelligence solutions at the same time. And so I'm going to be continuing to try to figure out how to help champion those causes and conversations at various levels, state, federal, and local community groups, too. 
Right. And you bring up some very interesting points there, you know, in terms of the fact that, you know, it, it's not just a question of convincing one person. It, it's convincing very disparate groups that this is all in their common interest. And of course, you overcame that challenge at the Cobra. And so obviously you can use that right to your advantage. But but nonetheless, yes, I, I understand the reluctance. I mean, the other challenge you mentioned, which you might want to comment a bit more about, is the system itself. <laughs> How do you change the system? Um, because here you are creating these amazing limitless business intelligence solutions, but the system doesn't necessarily allow you to implement right. these easily. And it gets back to uh, it's a cultural issue and it's a trust issue. One of the I would say one of the largest hindrances with this realm of business intelligence to help K twelve, for example, is primarily the drumbeat across the country that we need to hold school districts, administrators, and teachers accountable for what's happening in schools. And hence the whole focus is on a negative aspect. I'll use the term, an evil aspect, which is what my colleagues used to call it, of using data in an evil, evil sense instead of in using data for good. And hence, from the unions, from the teachers, and even from the administration, are assuming the worst intent when you start to talk about tracking data down to where it counts and making it visible for all to see. Because there are certain entities that will use it to their political advantage to try to leverage it for whatever reason it might be. And that's unfortunate. It is, it is, and I, I'm, I'm with you on that. But um, I'm glad that you are an evangelist for this cause. I'm glad that you are doing what you're doing, Sean, and this was absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing um, your story and uh, particularly, you know, the the incredible turnaround there at uh, Tacoma Public Schools. And um, with that, I'm going to uh, end our podcast. Thank you very much. Thank again. you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Limitless BI. To read the full show notes, including any links mentioned during this conversation, head on over to LimitlessBI.com. There you'll find all the different ways to subscribe to the show and resources that will help you and your business become more limitless. Tune in next episode for another conversation with a business leader who is using business intelligence to innovate in their company.